Hello, beautiful cosmic family. We are live once again for the third panel of today, which is interdimensional and ET experiencers panel, which we'll start with in a moment here. Alan is going to be, Alan Steinfeld is going to be the host for this panel and he will introduce all the individuals on it. But what I wanted to do, you know, I'm just going to take a look, make sure the stream is coming through really quick. Yes, we are. All right. So what I wanted to do is just share my screen here and do a poem, a poem, two poems connected here. This one, um, this one was inspired by, you know, Dante's Inferno and then also um, Buddhist philosophy and the dark night of the soul. So the whole concept of that we go through these these hells, like like not a literal hell as in like a place of fire and brimstones where we're being punished, but the the hells of the lower densities, right? And I don't feel there is that. I feel kind of like we can create our own hell on this planet here. So. This is um, a ballad to the nine hills. And then we're going to go into the sixth sun, and then we should start the panel. Enter the maze, the abyss, where misery sits, the inferno that is too hot to sit, yet alone take a stand. This is the land that you will forever be in. Doesn't really exist in the realm of men and women. Souls, they come down to explore this world. You are renowned in the depths of this place where the gods send humans who waste their life, disgrace their time on this 3D line. Down we fall to the underworld. But my question is, can we fall anymore? We were angels who dropped, tripped, and fell into earth. We are volunteers, not celestial beings who were cursed. What is the worst thing that can happen with so much chaos and lyricists rapping, expressing themselves through flows until you enter the first hell entitled Limbo? Where the unbaptized and pagans go, well, I guess I'll enter this realm because I know there was once more than one until humanity decided to worship the sun. Many gods with a lowercase g, their words were empty, but providing technology that has been lost in time until revelations transforms the central mind. Enter the realm of lust, stuck. No balance. Patriarchy has done its damage, over-sexualizing controlling minds, but I managed to break free. Every now and then, until they catch up with me, science, entertainment, and the media we can't trust. This fiending, can we adjust from a millennia of rust, wipe off the dust as we raise our cups to the highest of levels? We had various forms of devils. Personified energy combined with heavy metals will shift your brain as we enter the next two planes of existence. <laughs> Gluttony and greeds are hells that are persistent. I will, I will remove all the items from my wish list. To this personal hell, I'm resistant. Many are coexisting with demons that are misfits as we shift our intentions and belief systems around what is our mission. On this third planet, we are stranded. One day, this illusion will straight up vanish. The greed is the fourth cycle in this inferno, where humans fight for money and valuables. The iron presence knows the grand design is intellectual. Anger can consume you. Enter the tomb. Your tombstone will join the other souls that could not move on or pass grudges that last. Multiple lifetimes running too fast, foot on the gas, exploding and erupting, spreading lava all over the place. Move on to the circle of heresy where the heretics spend eternity, dubbed to be blasphemy, ashes, and a scorching fire. Those here have been wired not to believe what is commonly accepted and retire organized religion with an alternative vision 
or for personal hell that will diminish. This life is finished, made in his image, but dismissed by God into the seventh and eighth encompassed with violence and fraud. If you feel these flows, give your head a nod. Ground into the earth with a copper rod. Conscious awareness will never be outlawed. I applaud the ways you move through this maze. At the end, seeing the light of day, climbing up the hierarchy into the ninth hell of treachery, the last aspect of duality needed before the extrasensory gifts come online. DNA strands activate and the vibration inside. Each one of us will rise as life moves from struggle to joy and fun. And as we enter the sixth sun, the sixth sun has risen. We're now in the sixth world, spread for years by our human peers. The sixth sun has risen. We're now in the sixth world, spread for years by our human peers. The sixth sun has risen. We're now in the sixth world, passed down for years by our human peers through oral tradition. Information about our collective mission, what a new reality would envision, spoken through Toltec and Aztec wisdom. We discuss and perceive larger cycles of time than even the Maya depicted. It was known we're in a transition that started in 1991. As we move from the fifth to the sixth sun, what are we waiting for? What have we waited for? These wars will stop. The sunspots increase in diameter and frequency as the frequency of this planetary body shifts and changes. So does the neural networks within our brains, kids, adults, animals, family. We've been blinded, you see, to the vibratory energy that the, our universe breathes. In the last of the nine hells, exiting the solar plexus, humans unable to think for themselves. We're at a nexus point. A decision shall anoint. The sun god I point out is the son of God that resurrects and reflects over water, including the second ocean known as space, where the cosmic rays during this transitory phase will encase and wash over the solar system. And in the skies, in the skies, in the skies, we may see both stars become one as we enter the sixth sun. The sixth sun has risen. We're now in the sixth world, spread for years by our human peers. The sixth sun has risen. We are now in the sixth world, spread for years by our human peers. To everybody who's tuning in right now, let's all take some breaths together. Deep breath in. Exhale. Hey, you know. Yeah, go ahead, Alan. Well, this, this, the, the nine hells came about from the Mayan calendar when they predicted the invasion of the Spanish, of the European, mm. to um, the Yucatan, to Mexico, and that began nine cycles of 52 years. And so Jose Aguayas has planned out, so he called it nine cycles of hell, the nine hells, mm -hmm. from 1519 to 1987 although he may have been off a few years, and that was nine, 52 years. Um, and then in 1987 was the beginning, he felt, of this new time, and then 2012, and then we just had this big shift in 2020. So this is the really the beginning of a new, I would say, Aquarian age that we're coming into. So the ninth hells hopefully are behind us. So thank you, Neil. Right, thank you. And then what's after the ninth hell? Is it the sixth sun? 
the next well, yeah they relayed was a kind of like transition i mean it was a kind mm. of ending of one time and the sixth son is according to uh, sergio magana one of the um mayan keepers of knowledge this is the age of the sixth son this is the age of mm. less material um um aware and more about energy than matter it's the mm -hmm. time of nagual versus the tonal 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 the nagual is the the mystery the time of being in the mystery instead of being detached from the mystery right right all right guys so we're going to get into the the panel in a moment here and i'm just bringing on all the, pa the panelists and i'm um, brandon geraldine i'm sending you as panelists but you guys aren't accepting so if you could just you click yes. What's that? Did you are you gonna do the poetry of the sixth son? I did. That was the last one. So last one. Okay. I did it in a way. I did it in a way that made it seem it was part of the first one, you know? Oh yeah. yeah like did. a journey through the sixth son. Yeah. All right, but great. No, I always appreciate your poetry and your thank you. Um are you joining us on the panel? Why don't you join? Why don't you yeah, yeah, I'll be here. Introduce Brandon. I can introduce Kathleen and Geraldine. Okay. All right. So hello again to everybody here and um, all the YouTube channels that we have just gone live on. So um, thank you for being a part of this. This is panel three, the experiencer and interdimensional. Um, the reason why I put the word interdimensional in it is because there's this whole conversation now of people saying it's not an extraterrestrial phenomena. It's the interdimensional phenomena. And I, you know, I always felt when I first heard about extraterrestrials, you know, the Pleiadians, the Arcturians, I always just thought extraterrestrial and, and interdimensional were interchangeable, especially because, you know, if we travel through space to come to Earth, um, it's going to take a long time unless you can travel interdimensionally. So this panel is the interdimensional experiences that go beyond even like the extraterrestrial worlds, right? Like what are these interdimensional worlds? And um, just making sure all the panelists are here. We do have okay, Sherry Wilds on. So if the panelists want to go ahead and start the camera, and um, Alan, you can officially begin. Yeah, uh, the 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 realm of the experiencers, and I'm so ha happy Kathleen Martin's here because she is a real foundation for understanding the experiencers' um, evolution in a sense. And experiences really are the key to the phenomena. I feel. You know, government can release all they want to say and politicians can do and military, but we really want to know what's going on. We have to talk to the people who are having the experiences with the phenomena. We can't expect the government, and we'll do a panel after this on disclosure, but we cannot expect answers from people who may not even have answers. So, um this is an ongoing process of awakening and, and the experiencers, as we become more conscious of these other realms interdimensionally, experiences take on more and more important part of understanding the phenomena, understanding human existence and understanding our relationship to the cosmos. So I'm happy to be here with these beautiful people. So, okay, Neil, do you wanna introduce some? Um, Yes, yes. So I'll I'll introduce um, Brandon here, and you can introduce everybody else. And so Brandon is from Paradigm Shift Central, and just the story of how we got connected. Two thousand eight, I uh, came across Brandon's information, and then he came out with a documentary soon after that. I think two thousand nine of his experience at Lucidity Festival, right, Brandon? And um, 
and then, you know, I was following him for a few years and um, I was blessed to have a connection with him around three to four years ago in which we basically started sharing information and connecting on like a deeper level. And now he's become a really good friend. So Paradigm Shift Central is um, not only um, are they doing a lot of awareness and work in order to create cultivation and cultivate connection within the community, right? But also provide tools and resources for other creators when it comes to consciousness and light workers, practitioners to create a central base where they can share ideas, they can um, they can also receive insight and experiences from Brandon's um, you know experiences in order for them to utilize it in their own efforts to get this awareness out. So he's really created a support group for consciousness creators around the world, and him in um, Brandon himself is just a pioneer of a lot of incredible awareness, really great heart, and just is a connector and a networker of, of individuals. He is an incredible host. We've had him on multiple Portal to Ascension events, and you're going to be seeing him as well um, over the next five days for the Star Beings event. So welcome, Brandon. Thank you for being here, brother. Thank you, Neil. It's uh, always, always a pleasure and an honor to be able to be here. And again, just hello to all the other amazing hosts and facilitators I have with us. It, uh, it's really special to be among such uh, such visionary thought leaders. And um, yeah, I, again, you know, for, for myself, um, everything that Neil said, absolutely. Uh, in addition to that, um, a big part of my story, which, which ties into my contact experience, which I'll actually tell you a little bit about through my story, um, is the fact that I'm also a new father, which again, for me, is just like such a motivating force behind wanting to continue to be able to facilitate these discussions and continue to help shift consciousness and choose to be the change that we wish to see in the world. Uh, long story short, I was just going to say, just to follow up on the updates, Neil was just mentioning about Paradigm Shift Central. Um, things are just kind of in between updates, but for anybody who wants to stay in touch with me and what I'm up to, uh, my Instagram is Dick Spider-Man. So you guys can remember that and be sure to follow me there, send me a direct message. But yeah, I've, um, I've had quite a few, a handful of contact experiences and I'm super excited to just be able to be a part of this discussion and share some of my own wisdom and insight among such an expert that we have here this evening. So thank you, Neil, as always. Thank you. I'm looking forward to hearing about your experiences, Brandon. So. Thanks, Alan. Okay. Yeah, I want to introduce Kathleen Martin, who, um, like I said before, maybe you weren't here, Kathleen. I said you hold an important place in the history of the phenomena, being being there, hearing Betty Hill's calling your mother, her sister, Betty Hill being your aunt, about what had happened to her and her husband Barney on the evening of September nineteenth, nineteen sixty-one. There's a there's a plaque that I try to visit every time I'm up in New Hampshire that says, this is where Betty and Barney Hill were taken by other beings. And it's right there on the side of the road. And it's an official plaque by the state of New Hampshire. It's, it's just like, really? The state of New Hampshire saying this is possible? So just, I know you were an important part in getting that, um, you know, up there done. And and you're an important part of history and your own experiences are key to, to understanding a phenomena. So um, I, I just, just as an introduction, where do you understand the interdimensionality of the experience as opposed to, oh, they're just aliens? Can you just talk about that? Because Neil brought that Yeah. Wait, unmute, unmute. We don't want to miss anything. But unmute. Kathleen, you have to unmute. Un wait, wait. Neil, can you get Kathleen to unmute? Oh, sorry about that. 
Let me, let me first say that I'm an intergenerational experiencer, and uh, I have only recently come out with that information. I thought I would take that secret to my grave because of the level of uh, harassment that my aunt and uncle underwent for so many years. My case was uh, investigated way back uh, when it happened when I was 17 years old, the first memories, and uh, then I was visited through my lifetime periodically. And I decided to come out rather than taking it to my grave in my new book, Forbidden Knowledge. And that includes the multi-dimensional aspects of all of this. Uh, for the first 20 years of my research and investigation with the Mutual UFO Network and as an independent investigator of abductees is what we call them in that time frame, I uh, perceived of all of this as being nuts and bolts, that these entities were coming here in spacecraft using some kind of advanced technology and uh, that they were all uh, three-dimensional just like we are. But then in 2011, when I did my first study on 75 people with Denise Stoner, uh, I asked, we asked a question about interdimensional contact, about orbs uh, and that sort of thing. And I had to open my eyes and realize that those orbs that we saw in my childhood home after uh, that encounter that my mother and I had when we were taken to crafts uh, was related to that experience, not something that just happened separately. And so that took me on uh, a, a very long journey to explore uh, what this is really all about and the dimensions and we can get into that more. I don't want to take up too much time here. I, I definitely want to explore that when we go around after the introductions because I think it feels like that's a big key in understanding the phenomena and who who's visiting us and who we are essentially. You know, there's we cannot separate ourselves from what whatever is out there, whatever you want to call these beings. That's what I feel. So thanks. Okay, Kathleen, thanks so much for being here and all the work you've done. Now I'll go to Sherry Wild. How are you doing, Sherry? Haven't seen you since Contact in the Desert a few years ago. And uh, yes. Hi, Alan. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been off the circuit. I've been, been hiding away at home. Uh, but nice to see you again. Thanks for having me. Can you share about why you were, I mean, you had some very intense experiences and your, your is it The Unforgotten? Is that the name of your book? The um, Oh, The Forgotten Promise. Yeah, The Forgotten Promise. That is an amazing book. I have it. And it's like what you went through to work through the, from the fear into the acceptance and the transformation. Um, but are, are uh, is there a continuation of that that you've been experiencing the last couple of years or do you <sighs> retire? No, there sure is a continuation of it, Alan. And there's another book, if I can ever get my, my health to the point where I can 
do it. I want to uh, definitely tell the story because what happened after me um, since the book came out, well, from the moment I signed the contract with Dolores Cannon to have it published, from that moment on, the attacks began. And I was um, subjected to um, quite a bit of damage to my body. I was poisoned a couple times and I was hit with um, energy weapons, different types of energy weapons. And so I would like to tell that story definitely because I think that's part of what it, it depicts what can happen uh, in this world, the powers that were the controllers of this planet and how they worked so hard to keep the secret. And I, I was visited all the way back when the Center for UFO Studies was doing the, um, they were doing the investigation of me in the late 80s. And I was visited in my hotel room when I was in Chicago. I was there for uh, regression and the infamous men in black came into my room and warned me to not to ever talk about this stuff ever. And that I was not to go forward with the, with the hypnosis. I was there for my second or third regression. I can't remember which one. And they said I would not be allowed to be regressed and, and no one was to know about what I, I knew. And if I ever talked, I would, I would pay for it. So um, I wasn't able to be regressed that day, but I um, went on with my life. And when it came time for me, for my mission to be activated and for me to write the book and start talking about uh, what I knew, I went ahead and did it. And my guys had warned me. They said, we can't, they, they, they know you're here. I mean, they told me that even before the visit from the men in black. And they said, we can't guarantee your safety. And they suggested that I leave, that I come, that I leave the planet at that time. Um, that was 91 and I didn't want to do it. I had children. So I stayed and they said, we can't guarantee your safety. So I, I knew what I was getting into, but I didn't expect it to be this bad. They really came after me. So yeah, I, wanna, I do want to tell that story at some point because it's, it's incredible. It's been quite a journey, quite a journey. But are you on the other side of that now or do you feel like it's like over that threatening? The, um, the poison hit me really bad. So I was, I was physically unable to, to do any kind of talks or anything after the year. I think the last one I did was, was contact in the desert was one of the last ones I did. And I got hit with a directed energy weapon while I was there. Um, not a bad one. Like I, I had two other episodes of that that nearly killed me. Um, but every time I would try to do, if I got healthy enough to do uh, an online interview or a Zoom call or something, and I, cause I did try to do it. It's just in me to talk about it. And it just was something I felt compelled to do. But every time I would do it, I would, I would pay for it by being attacked. And I would be told, I, I would be told like when they hit me with a directed energy after I did a series of talks, they told me that this is what it's for. You did, you know, you did that. And um, that has finally stopped about, I haven't done that many talks, but um, I think I would say about six or eight months ago, maybe within the last year, it, stopped, it's, it tapered off and it stopped now. My health is such that I, it's hard for me to commit to doing any of these kinds of um, events because I don't know how I'm going to be the day of the event. And I hate canceling on people, but I, I do still feel compelled to talk it's just, I'm just wired to do that. So I do what I can. Thank you for being here. We'll send you some yeah. energy. Yeah. And a yeah, field Thank you. Protection. And so thanks. <laughs> thanks. I, I do want to hear that story. And like maybe Geraldine, can, Geraldine Orozco works with many experiencers on all sorts of levels of 
of their interaction. Um, and, and Geraldine um, had this sudden awakening when she was a meditation teacher. And I'll, I'll go fast through it, Geraldine, because I know you have a lot to say, where she found herself aboard a ship and these beings were brought to her. And it's like, it was a huge, like overnight transformation uh, and awakening of, of this interconnection. And now she's downloaded so much science, a DNA science, morphogenetic science of these other realms that she's become a real, leader of of this new understanding of the experience and and this interaction on a dna level that's one of the things she does so geraldine do you have anything else to say about what sherry's been through because i know you talk to a lot of people yeah actually sherry thank you so much for sharing such a powerful share with us and to be honest it's it's a very um a uh, very interesting feeling to hear someone else sharing similar story because I myself have gone through the similar situation as Sherry um, for many years. And I know many of my clients do go through that. So I think it's definitely something that deserves a very serious conversation to understand, you know, uh, what is the retaliation that's occurring here uh, from this shadow aspect, perhaps, um, in which experiencers that do come out perhaps publicly are kind of experiencing sometimes these kinds of retaliation. So, um, you know, I think uh, my perspective about it at this point, having dealt with that many years and having been able to overcome these things um, is uh, understanding the mechanics of co-creation and the involvement, how, uh, how ET contact is really something that is from the inside out genetically. Um, that we can learn how to understand the data that's being expressed. Uh, you know, what the experiences that we're having are in a sense, we, Kathleen was going to talk about the dimensions from which these beings are, you know, we're interacting. This is something that we need to become very familiar with because we need to know how the mechanics of interacting in these different dimensions really affects us, how it activates us genetically, uh, interdimensionally, and within our family lineages. I think that within that information is the key to understanding how to transcend some of these uh, lesser, maybe attacks, you know, parasitic interactions uh, when it comes to contact. Is there anything you could say though that would yeah. that can help people not just under but adjust to this yeah. intensity, this encounter type? Yeah, what. What could you? Yes. Well, you know, it, it really, uh, the mechanics of this interaction is really understanding the mechanics of co-creation. And if we do understand that, the human body, the human biostructure uh, within a morphogenetic field with which we exist in, we have an incredible power to alchemize. We have, a, we have the power of alchemization. And that alchemization process is something that happens not only biochemically, electrically, but also in our DNA as, as a result of biochemical electrical affecting our DNA. So for example, if we are in a state of constant fear uh, and anxiety, we can actually alchemize some of these uh, uh, processes and transmute them into a higher octave. And therefore, the output of that will allow our interactions to be on a higher range, a higher vibrational frequency, the kind of encounters that we're going to have. There are tools of cloaking that we can do, uh, cloaking technology within the body. We literally can cloak ourselves vibrationally in a frequency, ourselves and our home. 
in a way where we can protect ourselves from these attacks. And I, I know this not just by conceptually talking about them, but actually having done that um, in many occasions and also work with my clients to do that. So there are many techniques that can be done and it's about the mastery of the physical body uh, as a vessel to experience interdimensions, many dimensions infinite dimensions. I think it's part of where ET contact meets consciousness, ET contact meets spirituality, uh, in, in order to understand how to become friends with the unknown in all dimensional levels. And the key is this alch alchemical transmutation process that really is the embodiment of unconditional self-love. And that that is um, you know, the heavy of it, but also it is a simplified way of understanding these complex uh, concepts. Thank you. I mean, I, I know everyone handles it in their own way, and we'll get back to Sherry and see how she's been able to transmute. Thank you, Geraldine. Um, but let me go back to Brendan and say, Brendan, do you want to share some of your experiences? And yeah, there are forces in the world that are not so nice out there, and we are you know, whether it's somebody cutting you off in traffic or it's an ET that wants an essence of the soul, but there's also a lot of opening and positive things that are happening too to human consciousness, I feel. But Brandon, where do you fit into this whole picture? And do you want to share some of your experiences? Because I think people sure. like it. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. And, and thank you again to, to Kathleen and to Sherry and to Geraldine. It's wonderful just being able to hear from everyone. And uh, yeah, again, so a, a bit about my perspective, my experience on this, and, and also just kind of like sharing a little bit of my own meditations and insights that I've acquired over the years. With anything that we're looking at, it, it's always going to have a yin and a yang side to it. And I think sometimes people will hear other stories about contact experiences or they'll hear propaganda and it can scare them and, and it can kind of really push them away and choose, give them, you know, an excuse to kind of turn a blind eye. But I think if we're doing that, we're putting, you know, like everything into one box and that's simply not the truth. And, and I think, again, within the door that is the contact experience, it's really opening us up to a much bigger conversation about what it means to be not just human, but what it means to be a conscious entity. Because I think through the discussion of understanding what contact is about, it's really a stepping stone to being able to understand that for many of us, the stories that we've been led to believe are just a small sliver of being able to understand who and what we truly are. And, and when you think about it, you know, these quote unquote powers that be and everything like that, a lot of times, if you were to see it from their perspective, they see us developing a good relationship with the ET contact phenomena as a threat to them because it brings us back to our power. It has the potential to bring us back to a place of our own self-actualization, self-realization, the alchemical transmutation, as Geraldine was referring to, and really allowing ourselves to step into our roles as cosmic citizens, which again, you know, if, if we were to do that, suddenly all of these all of these institutions and games rules that they put in place to basically, you know, harvest our loosh, harvest our energy over the years, suddenly those would suddenly just not necessarily have the same effect because we would really also be stepping into our roles as conscious creators, but also benevolent conscious creators. So in the same way that there are people, many people, again, who I would like to thank everybody who's tuned into this broadcast right now, we want to be able to see the best for people. We want to be able to see people live a happy life, to live a happy, healthy life, and to live a life of 
excitement, joy, wonder, and awe. And I think that's a big part of what the human experience is, is also about. It's about the discovery. As Geraldine was saying, it's about being able to, to lean into the mystery, fall in love with the mystery of the unknown. And so, you know, without me necessarily, and, and whether it's me or anybody else, I think for anybody who's listening to this, I think what's always important is to approach this topic with discernment. Just because somebody's saying this and they have their own experience, that's great. Use that as information, but ultimately allow yourself to just kind of feel into it with your own intuition and decide, is this something that I want to be able to like ingest and process further and even integrate? Or maybe that's not necessarily something that I'm feeling called to right at this time. But within this, I want to be able to just kind of share my story as information and data that I can put in front of you that is very real for me and ultimately encourage you to think for yourself. And I think that is a very, very important part with any of the whole conversations with ETs, UFOs and disclosure and all of that. Because again, we're going to be, there's a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of stuff that's being thrown our way. So discernment is our most important tool and, and also discernment, even from our own mental bias that we may have and really just kind of clear the slate. And then, so I invite everybody here, you know, to, to, as you're listening to me and as you're listening to the other speakers here, try and just clear the slate. Imagine this is the first time you're hearing about this and allow yourself to just receive some of the insights and the experiences that we have to share. So for me, my own personal perspective, uh, and, and it ties in with what has already been said a little bit, I agree. There was a period of time where I thought that the ET contact phenomena was purely just a physical thing. But then as I started kind of going through my own shift in consciousness, um, it very much started leaning towards this idea of interdimensional. Um, and one of the ways that I like to be able to really approach this process is really to bring focus towards the relationship that we are developing with these beings and not necessarily, and kind of like lessening the divide between them and us. Um, again, you look at the propaganda and they're doing everything they can to create like a big gap between us and them. Oh, we're here on earth. They're way on the other side of the galaxy. Oh, we have two arms and two legs and two eyes and a nose. They got tentacles and green skin and big eyes. And they're really scary looking. It's just like, whoa, that's not us. That's really far away from us. That's actually kind of scary. But when you realize that, you know, if anything, and, in, and, and for a lot of this, feel into it intuitively because I think a lot of the information that comes up related to the ET contact, it's not even something where it's just like, oh, like, I know that's a fact. It's more so there's something inside of me that actually feels that there is a truth to that. So, so practice feeling into your own internal compass that, that can, that can discern what is and what isn't true. And there will be certain things that you may hear from me and other speakers that will really land with you. And you may be like, whoa, like that actually that, that feels like it's something I remember to be true and really feel into that. And one of the things that I was, um, I'll just say this real quick, I'll pass it over to you. One of the things that, you know, for me, that really initiates this conversation is lessening the, the gap between us and these other entities. And so we can refer to them as ETs, interdimensional beings. And some of you have heard me refer to this in a little bit in the past, but I think in many cases, like honestly, more so probably than not, they probably look pretty similar to us. Um, two arms, two legs, probably kind of like have this bipedal feature. Things might be a little bit elongated. Skin tones might be a little bit different. Eyes might be a different shape, but more or less the vehicle is similar, but mo slightly modified based on wherever they're coming from and their culture in the same way we have different races and everything like that. And not to say there aren't ones that you got your mantis beings and your reptoids and all like that. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important for us to kind of like begin to see them 
as other us's. And so this is a term that I actually like to be able to use instead of just referring to them as ETs, extraterrestrials, interdimensionals. The term that came to me, even through my own experiences in meditation, was the term other us's. And so I use the term OUs. So when I'm referring to UFOs in the skies and also the beings themselves in my dialogue that I'm creating between myself and them, because I'm focusing on developing a healthy relationship, a meaningful relationship, a relationship that's more like family, I like refer to them as other us's. So I'm going to tell you a little bit after I pass it to Alan, a little bit of my own story about my own experience with the other us's and how that's totally changed my life, uh, both for me and my girlfriend when we had those experiences. Um, but maybe we can share, share it for later. I'll let Alan yeah, call the shots on that. On and then you could share the experience. Absolutely. Well. Sounds good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Plus, um, I do want to like get back to this whole idea of interdimensionality and I'm an experiencer. So what I've noticed in looking at my interactions is that these beings are vibrating at a different rate of, 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 of existence, of frequency. So when I've come into contact with them, it's hard to stay present. It's hard to say lucid because their field, their conscious field, it's so different than ours. It's like, it's like trying to pick up Wi-Fi on an AM radio. It's like their field is so vast. So there's an altered state of consciousness that happens in, in the interaction. And it's hard to stay lucid. It's a, you need to really practice lucidity. That's why I talk about Whitley Strieber has been practicing lucidity for years, who's able to probably be more present than most people in these interactions. So in this field that we're engaging, I, I think there's um, people like Sherry who've um, able to perceive these other realities and try to bring them into the human structure. And that's, it reminds me of that line in the Bible where if they eat of the tree of, um, of good and evil or of knowledge, they'll be like us. And there's something about that where we've been, we've been kept, we've been kept confined and isolated and the grids have been um, shut down to, a, that have stopped us from a, allowing infinite consciousness and then there are people who are poking holes in that grid and allowing the doorway to infinite consciousness to come in. And maybe there's, and I think when we talk about beings and visitors, there's many, many levels, there's many types, there's many races, it's not just one. So it's not just, it's not just human involvement, it's interactions with each other. And, you know, Linda Moulton House says the, there's three races fighting for control of a planet Earth. I don't know about that, but I do know what we need to practice lucidity, I feel, in meeting other beings so we can meet them on the level they exist. Because when they come down to our level, it's distorted, but we need to raise ourselves up. I often use the analogy, if you're talking to your dog, you're not gonna bark at them, right? We need to talk at the language of the more intelligent, more evolved, which doesn't make them greater than us. It just makes them maybe a little more intelligent stuff. So getting back to what Sherry experienced, which I, I, I know it's very serious and a lot of people encounter that. I'm curious, Kathleen, I'm sure you've heard it all, heard lots of that. What's going on? Because there's a lot of great beings out there that really want us to wake up. And then there's beings that, that 
probably don't. What do you feel? And then we'll talk to Sherry, but what do you feel is going on, Kathy? I have learned a great deal from my personal experiences and also from uh, the three studies that I did uh, with experiencers of over 5,000 uh, people. Also, I was MUFON's director of experiencer, this experiencer research team for 10 years. So a lot of this uh, information came to me and uh, I learned the most when I met a man named Kevin Briggs, who uh, invited me and a team of researchers and investigators to meet the Council of Eight. And this Council of Eight are uh, a group of interdimensional entities who also claim to be extraterrestrials. So I don't think that we should look at everything in terms of is it interdimensional or is it extraterrestrial? They can be both. And uh, in terms of vibrational frequency, uh, I think that we have to look at that in terms of lower vibrations and higher vibrations. Now, uh, in terms of these negative entities that want to uh, attach to us, to, to cause problems for us, to uh, create pain in our bodies, to interfere with our sleep, that sort of thing. Um, even if you're uh, familiar with the studies that have been done by the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, they refer to these entities as hitchhikers. And something that I found extraordinarily interesting is that when these individuals were out at the Skinwalker Ranch doing their investigations, uh, suddenly, without any external trigger, they experienced extreme fear and dread. That is what causes these lower vibrating entities to be able to attach, to be able to come into our environment. Um, and they, to me, they seem to have intelligence. They seem to have the ability to move from person to person. And the Defense Intelligence Agency research indicated that among these scientists who were doing the research, uh, these uh, entities, hitchhikers, went home with them and then attached to their family members too. So all the members of the family were having these experiences of being woken up during the night with entities hovering over them. And it, then it spread out to their family and their neighborhoods. So that I find extraordinarily interesting. I had my own personal experience when I was working with a man who was um, struggling because he was being taken into an environment where he was being uh, tortured, where he saw other humans having terrible things done to them uh, by some of these entities. And uh, I went beyond where I should have gone, but it was my curiosity that caused this. And I ended up getting an attachment. And struggled with this because I didn't know the answer at that time on how to detach this kind of thing. I was meditating, I was vibrating, I thought at a higher frequency, but what happened was this 
was like a cloud that came over me very suddenly when I was speaking with this man. And then uh, I became progressively ill, didn't sleep well, had all sorts of interference, and finally it started to talk to me. And that's why I think it has consciousness. And I did everything that I could, uh, religious things such as holy water, uh, such as a Christian minister um, who can remove attachments, that sort of thing. And, uh, but she was doing it from a distance, it didn't work. So finally I, I called out to Kevin Briggs and I said, you know, at that time I had been meeting with the Council of Eight for at least two years, once a month. And I had a relationship with one who would come into my environment I sometimes would see shimmering, sometimes not. I'd always feel uh, an intense uh, electrical tingling sensation in my body, uh, high-pitched sounds in my head. Um, so I did have this relationship with them. And they said that they would uh, uh, take care of me. And so... Uh, I got in touch with Kevin Briggs and I said, look, this has happened and I want this to end right now. Will you please talk to the council for me? And so he agreed to, and it was the ninth dimensional entity. The, the council is fifth and sixth dimensionals with a couple of ninth dimensionals. And it was the ninth dimensional who immediately removed that from me. So I was very grateful, but it taught me a lot about uh, dimensional levels and uh, how we must keep our vibration up. In fact, the Council of Eight told us that uh, they are here to attempt to uh, increase our vibration, our spirituality, and the ETs that I have communicated with in my own life have told me that uh, the biggest problem that we face as human beings is that our uh, level of spirituality is out of sync with our technological progress. And when this occurs, it can lead to the destruction of the species, which is sort of what is occurring right now on this planet, with so many of our species be becoming extinct and all of the climate changes that we're undergoing. So I think that we, what we have to do uh, in order to remain in this higher vibration is through uh, meditation, through protection, through divine light, and also uh, higher vibrational tones as well that keep us uh, sort of in that kind of condition. Uh, I know that these negative entities can come in at any time if if you put yourself in their environment and they can attach to anybody or at least try to so it's extraordinarily important for everyone to know how to uh, create a good environment for yourself even if that occurs so that you will not suffer the way so many people have I'm glad you talked about your personal experience because there are some not so nice beings out there that do live off of our 
energy field and it's like we just have to be aware of all of it and and that's why it's so important to have disclosure to talk out about this to bring it all out because we're all dealing with these frequencies and if we're kept ignorant then we we don't know self-defense we don't know that we, we don't know that there might be some neighborhoods you don't want to walk in unless you know you're protected so it's 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 such a complex universe and we just think it's all simple and this and there's ets visiting us and how nice and we'll have some coffee with them but no it's it's so it's so complex that i think we're just starting and these experiences that people are sharing are so important to show us the landscape that we're dealing with on many levels so sherry um you you work through a lot of this stuff that was traumatic in, in talking about that in your first book. And then you came out and you seemed to be really in a great place. And then you, you, you're saying there was another wave that happened that, or was it another level? What, what went on? Um, here, here's what happened, Alan. Um, for me, I feel like I was um, being pulled between the, the evil elements, I'll call them that, and then the higher dimensional beings, my family, my cosmic family. That's how I felt. I, I felt like I was in a tug of war. They declared, they declared that they were coming after me and their intention was to kill me. And the fact that they were not able to kill me, I, I attribute that to my own perseverance and to my cosmic family assisting me. What they did to me, and first of all, let me make it clear that I'm not talking about ETs necessarily. I'm talking about the dark ones on this planet. Dark military is who came after me, along with some, um, I have memory of these uh, little, what I would call Zeta Grays maybe is what they look like. I don't know, but they were, and they were dressed in military. Um, it was all military stuff that was going on here. I had, um, I had visits from Draco, but they didn't scare me. I didn't have any problem with them. They would show up here and I just, quite honestly, I just, I felt just overwhelming love for them. Um, they didn't frighten me. These other beings, these other people uh, were intent on, on keeping me quiet. They seem to know that, that if I, um, from what I've been told by many, many times, different people and, and from them even, because they always tell you what they're doing is the fact that they knew that there was going to be a film or some kind of a TV series made about my book and about my life. And they didn't, that's what they didn't want to have happen. And because I think that they saw the impact that was going to have. And if I was not alive, that was the bottom line. If I was not alive, if I was not on the planet, it would not get made. So their, their reasoning was to just get rid of me. The way that they went about it was to poison me first. They poisoned me with mercury in the um, late summer of 2012, just as soon as I, I signed the contract with Dolores Cannon. And they followed it up with um, lead poisoning. And so I was poisoned and then overlapping that were the attacks of the EMFs. They hit me with something and they told me what it was because I would always demand, who's doing this to me? Why are you doing this? At the poisoning, I knew about the mercury poisoning but the lead I didn't know. That went on for over a year and a half. I was, take, I was taking that in, in a pill that I had. And I didn't know that it had been tampered with, but it turned out to be 98.7% pure poison. Um, so it was a deliberate attempt. 
my cosmic family would send in these sweet little, after the mercury poisoning, these sweet little ETs would come in with this, they'd come in, come down through my ceiling and land and I would see them and, and I would always say welcome and they were just as jovial as could be, cute as could be little dog face little ETs. And they would push this little machine and they would say, we're here, Sherry, we're here to clean your brain. <laughs> That's what they say, because the mercury should have killed me. It should have disabled me. It should have taken away my ability to, to talk or even to communicate. It was terrible. Um, they were using EMFs. One of them that they hit me with, I asked what that was because my dog got so sick from it. It was called ELF, ELF radiation, which is extremely low frequency. And what that does is it lowered my frequency. They forced my frequency down so that I, that was my, that, and that had been my defense. My whole defense against them was my high frequency, my ability to stay out of fear and stay in control of the situation, not allow this, uh, declare my sovereignty, which I would do when they would come to my house. And they would come, they would literally show up and, you know, to kill me. And my way of defending myself was to stand against them and just go toe to toe with them and tell them they did not have my permission to do that. They did not have my permission to, to kill me, to end my life. I was not in agreement with that. But they hit me, they also came at me with um, implants. They, put, they would put an implant into my head right up here and it would go in one night and the next night my guys would come and take it out. A couple of nights later, they'd come back, put it back in. A couple of nights later, my guys would come and take it out. I mean, I was like a ping pong ball going back and forth. And I asked them who was doing that because I thought maybe, because I had, my guys were coming and also giving me treatments. They were injecting me with um, amino acids and they were cleaning my brain. They were doing all kinds of things. And so I, I thought maybe the implant might be a good thing. So I asked who was doing that. I didn't get an answer as to who it was, but I was told that it was called a, um, oh, now let me see, a um, Trojan horse implant. And I said, what does that mean? And they said to look it up. And I looked it up and it meant that it was going to take over my thoughts, take me over without my awareness or permission. So I was like that. I mean, there was blood, my wake up in the morning, there'd be blood in my bed from them having been there messing around, putting this implant in and taking it out. It was, it was like a circus here at my house. It was just like a circus and it was crazy. So it wasn't subtle at all. It was a full-fledged attack on me. And I did not, barely, I could hardly keep my thoughts straight when they mess with your, the poison in your brain. That makes it hard for you to, to reason and to understand what's happening. I did the best I could, but I was on my own with it. Um, that's what happened to me. I mean, the story you is- through. You, you got I, through it. And do you feel empowered because you were able to withstand it and survive? I mean, how do you feel? I, I do. I mean, I called on my guys, and, and but they had warned me that they didn't know if they could keep me safe. But I did call on my guys and, and my guy who I called Dot, and that's my that's my family. Um, he came here one night, and a Draco had been here. And I, I said, you know, what does that mean? Should I be worried about that? And he said, no, Sherry, you long ago, <clears throat> you long ago surpassed, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> you long ago surpassed that frequency. You know, you have no reason to be concerned. Stand in the truth of who you are. They can't touch you. And I, and I knew that. I knew as long as I kept my frequency high, I was safe. It was like a dome around me. But when they hit me with that elf radiation, I think that's what did it. My dog and I both just, we were just 
turned into we were just turned into dummies. I mean, it just, it's just that really just, that took us down. They did that for about two weeks, almost every night, hit me with that. And I think that was, that was even worse than the poison. And you so- survived it. survived it, you made it yeah, through. I made it through. It's been a struggle. I mean, I'm still in treatment, you know, right now I'm still um, not, I'm doing a cleanse. I'm constantly cleansing my body and I have to do that. I'm trying to get my frequency up it's very difficult, but yeah, I survived it. I, I mean, I, I requested an exit in, I think it was 2014. I requested an exit and I was granted. I was told that I could leave. So I was planning to leave. I requested that, I think in January or February of 2014. And they told me that I would die of pancreatic cancer um, that September. And I said, well, I wasn't thrilled with that kind of an exit. I was hoping a car accident, they usually do a car accident. And um, they said, that's the best they could do. So I was like, okay, I was, I was happy to be leaving. But what happened is I got contacted by Anelia Benz, who is a spiritual teacher that I really admire and respect a lot. And she reached out to me through Facebook and, and said that I needed to come and see her. And I, as much as I wanted to, I said, I can't, I'm too sick to make the journey. And she said, you need to come here. She said, I'll meet you at the airport. Just get on the plane, sit on the plane and just come here. So I did, I got dropped off at the airport. I, well, I made my way to the, to the gate and I got on the plane and went out there. I get out there and the first thing she says to me is when we get back to her place is, you know, I bet you're wondering why I made you travel all the way out, out here. And I said, yeah. And she said, it's because I hear, I, I've gotten, gotten word that you're planning to leave the planet. You're planning to exit. And I said, how did you know that? Cause I didn't make that public to anyone. No one knew it except for my partner here. Not no one. I hadn't told anyone. And she said, "Well, your guys got a hold of me, and they they can't reach you because of your frequency. They can't get a hold of you. They can't get through, and they want you to know that they want you to stay and continue with your mission." And I said, "Sorry, no, I'm leaving." You know. And um, she said, "Well, they're not the only ones I heard from. She heard from my group, different groups of ETs that I work with. She heard from." Um, my soul family and mother earth. And she conveyed to me my, the messages from them asking me to stay. And so I did reconsider. The messages from my soul family were very powerful for me. You know what they said, because they said, you really fought hard to be the one to do this mission. And you're gonna be so disappointed with yourself if you leave without completing it. And I knew that to be true. Cause I, rem I, I do have memory of before I came here and I know how hard I, I did fight. I wanted to take on that mission. And so that was true. And then Mother Earth asked me personally to stay. And so I rescinded my exit and I stayed. I've had many times when I've questioned that decision, Alan, <laughs> many times, but um, I've stayed and um, I'm still here today. So I'm still standing. There for other people that could help them know that you know, their mission is important because, you know, it can be hard for some people sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of the star seeds, and, you know, are having a hard time of it. Um, and it doesn't matter what what their mission is. You know, it can be this can be a very lonely place. It can be a lonely time. You feel like, you know, I don't know about everyone else, but, you know, I mean, I had lost my entire family. I have no my family all abandoned me at that time and a lot of friends left. So you're on your own, you know, and through no fault of your own, you, all you're doing is 
speaking up for yourself and speaking the truth as you understand it to be, trying to be a way shore. And, um, but they are, your family and friends are oftentimes um, influenced by negative energies to, um, to abandon you. And that's what happened with me, I believe. I, it was not of their own. They, they didn't leave me. The, my family was influenced, every single one of them. I, I, I believe that. Any positive thing for people who are facing the same situation? Yeah, you have to remember what, what you're here for. You have to remember that you chose, like, like my soul family reminded me, you know, you've, I, we've, we all fought to be here. We all wanted to be here from the other side. You know, we knew it was an honor to be on the planet at this time during this great ex experience that's happening as she moves from 3D up into 5D and beyond. And to be a part of that is amazing. Our soul will forevermore carry the colors of that experience. And not everyone, you know, there's all kinds of souls who would love to be here, but we're the lucky ones who, who got to be here. So you want, you don't want to just treat that lightly. So you stay true to your mission and you, tr you remember the truth of who you are and don't let the 3D world, the matrix suck you in because that, that doesn't matter. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Okay. We'll get back to your forgotten promise next round, okay? Okay. Thanks, Alan. Jeff. Geraldine, so what is happening here from your perspective? Um, do people just have karmic patterns? Is there, um, are these beings really wanting us to stop our evolution from your perspective? Or does everyone have to move through a passage of their own awakening? I mean, there's so many levels here. What do you think? Yes, um, you know, I I think I I would say that it's about uh, you know we're we're very special. Oh, I think somebody is. Um, is that is that your mind? No, no, I think someone else. All right. Uh, I, I don't have access to mute people, so maybe we can mute. Okay, I think I think we got it. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I want to, you know, the, all of these conversations, you know, we hear these dark light experiences, you know, we have to remember that we are very, very special, very, and, and I don't say that just uh, lightly, the fact that we incarnate into this physical vessel and have the ability of navigating many dimensions, not just our everyday life experience with family, friends, you know, all the achievements and experiences that we have in everyday life within the matrix. But we also are in learning how to navigate other dimensions, dream time, astral projection. We're learning how to uh, deal with these encounters of what we see as phenomena because we cannot quite explain it. In reality, we are infants in our own human experience. And we, we are learning how to be human in this temporary little life of a hundred years. And within that experience, each human comes encoded with an action pack kit that allows them to have access to different aspects of this human experience. And I think that collectively right now, we are moving through a kind of um, higher, higher, higher octave collectively in that more interdimensionality is part of our experience as a collective. So 
um, and this is this has been happening for many, many, you know, for a long time. But I think now we're getting to a very interesting pinnacle point where now our mainstream is even uh, resonating with the conversations of interdimensionality. Uh, government is talking about it. We have an entire government sector now dedicated to the study and research of interdimensionality, ET contact. Um, and that should tell us something that we are getting ready to catapult into the next level of not only technology, but into the next level of, of the activation of the human technology, which is the ability to navigate these realms. So with that comes a responsibility of the human. We have to wake up so quickly from the matrix, from this hypnosis of being in the human illusion that what is physical is the only thing that's real into a state of understanding that this reality, it's not really real. It's just one of many parts of these illusions that we're experiencing. And to master that means to come into a place of, of observation. I have found personally and through the work with many other experiencers through the years that this state of observation actually becomes one of the most powerful keys of the human um, not only, not only, not only electrically, bio, bioelectrically, as I was mentioning earlier, but we are learning how to activate and unlock the potential of, of the architecture of the human body within the experience of the human, uh, you know, experiences. So, so how we do that is in this state of observation. Not only does the human body come into a state of homeostasis energetically, the vibrational frequency that begins to rise, which we heard everybody on this panel talk about high vibration. And it allows us in that place to begin to train this lucidity that you were talking about earlier. Becoming lucid means becoming aware of yourself consciously in order to navigate these different dimensional realms. So the ability to become aware of yourself means to study the self in such a profound way that when we encounter beings, uh, we are not, the moment we begin to judge and categorize what we're experiencing, we are literally such an interconnected network of consciousness that we immediately lock that experience in a vibrational frequency. And it, it literally becomes a point of reference within our field that we keep coming back to. So to transcend that, to move beyond that, and to be able to break these moments that we create points, reference points within us, we have to move through each one of these experiences in that state of neutrality. Um, so I think that the power of understanding ET contact um, is, is in learning, in learning once again, the mechanics of how we navigate these realms. And like if Sherry was in a more of a state of neutrality, she would be easier. Is that what you're saying? Was that's she... right. And that and I think Sherry actually talked about that in what she was explaining, how when she was able to go to a higher vibrational frequency, she was able to kind of access, you know, uh, you know, and she's still working on it. She's she's keeping that. Yes, she's absolutely right. It's very difficult. And because we are programmed 
at the cellular molecular level, energetically and through the nervous system and even through our biome as a result of our environment to respond to these things in this way from the moment of birth coming into this life. So, you know, to break these patterns is, is literally to break everything that you know, everything that you know you are and everything that feels comfortable. So there's a lot that has to be shaken up in order to be able to break these patterns. But once you do, and this is what all the greatest sages and all these uh, enlightened people talk about, you enter into a place of bliss. And it is in that bliss that the that this architecture, this technology of the body comes online and begins to spin in high vibration and becomes in alignment with these higher vibrational realms. It doesn't mean that it, the, the journey is going to become easier then. We are learning how to do this infinitely, uh, not only in this lifetime, but in many lifetimes. And I think that we have a lot of history that spoke to that. And ancient uh, cultures that have also studied this, talked about it. Um, and even in our, in our modern day, uh, we, we have a lot of those scriptures that have been kind of put away. But now is the time for them to come out. All of these techniques, technologies are coming out for us to apply them because ET contact is our future. We're headed into that, into the mainstream. And, you know, the foundation for that is being set now. Well, okay. I mean, we'll hear from Sherry in a bit. That's one perspective, but everyone might be on their own path and dealing with the situation in their with their own capacity to handle these multiple dimensions and it's it's just hard to know if like in sherry's case i don't want to speak for sherry but you know she's having she's having difficulty because it's a personal assault right sherry i mean you're not you're not mm, i don't know i mean it's is it about consciousness for you or is it just to kind of address what what Geraldine is saying. Uh, for me, it's it's a confusing topic, quite honestly. I mean, I appreciate everything that she's saying. She's well informed and knowledgeable on this subject. But you're right, Alan. I mean, everybody's story, and this is such a esoteric subject. You know, yeah. we don't know what we're really dealing with, other than I mean, I know that these entities that I'm dealing with are my family. My contact experiences with the ETs are positive by and large. What I have negative, what I have problems with are the controllers of, on this planet not wanting humanity to hear what I had to say about the positive experiences I was having with my guys and with my ET family. They didn't want me speaking about this. And so it's, it's, it's the humans <laughs> that I have trouble with. It seems that most of my problems lie with them. Um, they were the ones trying to silence me. Now, at the same, what's that? Go ahead, what were you saying? Well, there's another component to this that I haven't brought in because it really gets, it muddies the water a little bit, but I, I'll just- Can I, you hold that until we get back to you? Okay, wanna, yeah. I do also want to tell you Sherry's, um, Julian in the chat says, Sherry's book has helped me. I'm so thankful she wrote her book. Um, Alan, if you could share this message with Sherry, that would be wonderful, so. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, hold that thought and we'll get back to you. I just yeah. want to- Brendan and then Kathleen will go around again. So Brendan, um, what's your experience? I mean, give us some hardcore experience there because, you know, we want to hear like the meat of like people's, I think hearing about experiences yeah. helps other people deal with their experience. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think one of the most important things that we can do right now is just have these conversations about experiences that are taking place. Um, there's a lot of people that are having experiences every single day now. You know, there's some TikTok accounts that I follow that's posting new sightings. Uh, now, you know, there's different variations of sightings. You have some sightings that can be very impersonal. You know, it might just kind of be out and about and suddenly you look up and you see something odd in the sky. And the next thing you know, it's kind of over. And you're just like, what was that? Like, what did I just see a UFO? Did you see that too? That was kind of weird, but it sticks with you. Those type of sightings are important. Um, when I was younger, back in 2011, there was a sighting of that I had. That was my first sighting. That was kind of of that format. A uh, short story there. It was just me and my girlfriend were just kind of laying in a field at night. And uh, one of the black triangle UFOs kind of passed over top of us and had a few lights on it. But it was like very almost like glitching out. And it kind of had like a cloaking device on it very weird scenario. Um, but even just after that, it really initiated my curiosity. But even with that, it didn't really feel necessarily personal. There, there was nothing to it where, you know, there's a way for me to differentiate was I was, was, were they trying to reveal them to me or was it synchronicity? I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Now, some would say that even from the dimension of these higher dimensional beings, um, synchronicity from them is actually a way how they conduct interactions where they're showing up at certain places because they know that certain people are seeing them. And then those people that see them, that's kind of planting the seed. And then again, it sparks this curiosity. And then down the road, those people are continuing to develop the curiosity that can evolve in to a, a, a more meaningful relationship. And then beyond that, um, there's a very particular story that I'll, I'll share and I'll share, um, I'll share from the heart because I want you guys to be able to feel it, but I'm not going to spend too, too much time talking about it, just being mindful of the time. Um, but I do have a video on my YouTube channel where I spent like an hour just going into details about this and, and I'll post that into the YouTube chat and you guys are um, welcome to, to check that out. And my YouTube channel, for those of you listening, you can just find it. It's Skull Babylon, um, or you can go to my link in my uh, Instagram at Mystic Spider man and scroll down to the bottom and you'll see the link for the contact experience but the this experience for me was um it it, it changed us uh and, and i say us because it was me and my girlfriend lacy and and she's just out and about with uh with our son right now and um in some way it actually connects with our son and, and i'll kind of plant that seed but i'll explain exactly what i mean by that so Going back to kind of what I was talking about um, a little bit earlier, for me, I like to be able to approach the discussion of these, uh, this, the, the phenomenon of, of ETs and OUs, other us's. Uh, to really begin to kind of like look in towards what is the relationship? What is the relationship between ourselves and these beings? Beyond just the fact that it's fascinating, what do they have to offer us? And perhaps what can we offer them? It's not just maybe this one-sided thing where it's just like, they're just here to be like, hey, like, you know, there's more out there, but maybe there's something that we are helping them with as well. When you think about it from a higher dimensional perspective, if you get into the concepts of karma and dharma and life families, and soul tribes and all this stuff, you really start to kind of just wonder, just be like, well, wait a second, like these entities that are making contact with humans in benevolent ways, is their karma connected to us? Is it a part of their life mission to be able to come from wherever they're coming from into our space, into our bubble, into our matrix, into our time sphere, and to really just be able to, you know, play an influence that is going to, again, kind of like hold, help usher into something bigger that can even ripple into to their reality. So, yes, I mean, it's all karmic. Go for it, yeah. Reaction. So why don't you just tell us your experience and we'll. I shall. 
and then we'll move. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my experience is actually, um, came shortly after um, me and Lucy, we watched the CE5 documentary, which many people are aware of from uh, Dr. Stephen Greer. And that kind of introduced us to the concept of CE5. Um, before that, I kind of like, you know, heard some stories of people making initiated contact, even just from books back in the 70s. But to have a documentary that really just laid it out and showed that people are doing this actively and that there was a, a format that could be followed. Um, it really just kind of sparked something inside of us. And then that summer, me and Lacey were actually planning a camping trip up north in uh, Halliburton, which is in Muskoka in, in Ontario, Canada, which is where we live. So we're going up to like cottage country. And as we were going up there beforehand, we really just felt into our heart and we're just like, hey, like we should practice CE5, um, or as I like to sometimes call it, just like human initiated peaceful contact. Um, so again, CE5 close encounters is a fifth time. That's what it is. It's human initiated. And part of the protocol, just for those of you who may be brand new to this in short, um, it's about being able to essentially like meditate. And a lot of what Geraldine was talking about, really being able to kind of like bring yourself into this heart center, this blissful state where you're tuning yourself like a frequency. And then from that space, you're able to basically send out a signal that can be, uh, again, kind of like pinged off off of these other intelligent entities and they can reach back out to you. Um, so with this, me and Lacey, we went up to Halliburton with this intention to do CE5. And so long story short, on the very first day that we got there, it was this beautiful, pristine setting. We got there a little bit um, before sunset and we had enough time to settle down and everything. And then by the time nighttime rolled around, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do this. No expectation. I'm just going to go sit out on the dock. Um, I had my green laser pointer with me and, um, and I'm just going to kind of see what happens. And, and so I went down on the dock and I just sat there and Lacey was in the cabin and we were just, I was just meditating for a while and just kind of like really just doing the protocols where I was just like going into my heart space and kind of visualizing myself from a bird's eye view and sending out almost like a laser into space saying, this is where I am. And, and I am open to receive, I'm open to make contact. Um, and then as this continued, um, Lacey eventually came out maybe 15 minutes later. And then when she came out, um, we were sitting there and we were both meditating together and she's had her own experiences. Both of us have had experiences prior to this, but this experience was something completely different because it was so personal. Within 15 minutes of us just literally just sitting there, something began to happen. And so one of the things that's actually quite interesting about the CE5 um, is the idea that it's, the signal is amplified when you are doing it with a group, um, but it's also amplified when you are doing it with people who are in love, particularly partners, romantic partners. But that bond creates like an amplification to the signal. So Lacey and I were obviously in the right place at the right time. Everything was in its element and everything for the ingredients was, was perfect. So as we were sitting there within about 15 minutes, um, you know, I'm using my laser pointer and I'm looking out at satellites and I'm seeing satellites going around and stuff like that. And then as we're doing that, that's when we noticed um, what appeared just at first is just kind of like a little light, just kind of like phasing in it. It just went boom, just kind of like a, like a light, just turning off and then turn, turning on and turning off. And then we were like, Whoa, what was that? And then we kind of shine the laser pointer at it, wait a couple seconds and stuff. And then another one appears, but it appears like slightly over to the side. It's like, boom. And then we're just like, in, in, and as soon as that second one happened, we were just like, Whoa. Okay. Like immediately, like um, Geraldine was talking about, it began to trigger lucidity. Suddenly that moment, everything became realer than real. Suddenly something was happening and we knew that we were a part of it and we could feel like the air was beginning to change. And then as that continued to happen, there was like more little blips, boom, 
boom. And then they started appearing kind of like in multiple spots up, up in the sky. And we were just like, whoa, okay, like something's happening. And then as that was happening, there was one particular craft, which we identified as a craft, the orb of light, an OU that literally came down from high orbit. So we were sitting on the dock and it would be just about to our two or three o'clock and then like way up high, but then it like came down. Like it didn't just like fly across the horizon. It came in from high orbit and it came down. Like it came in really close. Um, like within the, by the time it kind of like leveled out, it was like no more than maybe like a hundred meters from where we are, we're on the dock up in the sky. And in this moment, um, what's very powerful is I actually want to be able to share with you guys a little bit of audio of me and Lacey talking right after this experience happened. And if that's okay um, with Alan, I'll play a little bit about this just after I experience it because the energy of that conversation really communicates like what we were going through. But basically at that point, this orb was basically like floating down and, and there was this very powerful energy that was both in the air and inside of us. Um, and immediately, again, it felt like becoming loose in a dream. It felt like a psychedelic experience. But afterwards, when me and Lacey were talking about it, the thing that was so, so powerful is that it was an immense, overwhelming sensation of love, like love in, in its like highest form. Like if you if you could imagine like God, like loving you in, in, in a direct way. It, it was something like that. Um, and so we could feel like this like energy activation happening through our body. A lot of what Geraldine was talking about is kind of like DNA activation. Something was happening with inside of our body. And so this craft, it appeared over top of us and it was there for about like a good like 20, 30 seconds of just kind of like floating. And then it just kind of went off towards the right. And then eventually it went off towards a tree line, very gentle, very calming. Um, and even in that moment, both Lacey and I were, were in telepathic communication with the craft or the inhabitant or the, the pilot or whatever it was. Um, and we were just kind of like, just like, hello, thank you. We're so grateful you're here. Um, at the same time, even communicating, hey, this is a little bit overwhelming. Can you just kind of make sure you're taking it easy with us? And that's an important thing. You can communicate with that. You can say like, hey, like, you know, dial it back a bit if you need to. Um, and then so this craft basically just went and then went over the horizon. But at that point, it's like, no, it wasn't a satellite. It wasn't, but it was so personal. Um, and then so what my hypothesis is, was with a lot of this is that, you know, you start getting into this idea of interdimensionality. And I feel that, again, a lot of, for many of us, some of the contacts we're having are actually contacts that we have with like what can be like star beings that are star family. So the, the pilot of that craft, whoever it was, we have felt since that time a very personal connection with them. Um, and a connection that actually is carried into dream space. And Lacey actually had a dream that night that was like a continuation of the contact experience. Um, and then even for us, like we actually have like very strong connections between the fact that like this UFO experience that we had, um, which happened on July 25th, which is in the calendar known as the day out of time, which is kind of like this weird portal space. Um, and then the synchronicities were, were like super profound. And um, not only considering the fact that the day later, I proposed to Lacey, which I had planned to do to begin with. So it was almost like this craft came down and it had a message with us. And it basically, and this is what Lacey was talking about. And she told me this, it wasn't me interpreting it, but the craft was basically like telling us like, like love each other and not just love each other, like have a child. And so a year later to this experience was actually the exact day when Lacey found out that she was pregnant with our son, who is now seven months old. So for us, all of these synchronicities, which are very personal to us, and I'm not like drawing full conclusions, but for us, it's like, whoa, wait a second. Like, you know, like time is not as linear as we think. 
is it possible that, you know, like there's a connection between this contact experience, the, the, the entities of this craft who feel like family, who we still recognize as family, as well as our own son and as well as who we are, like, like, do we know them in a higher dimensional state, even if we aren't fully conscious of it in some way or another? And, and absolutely, I'd say we do. So that energy of that experience has continued to stay with us. It's so incredibly visceral. It's still as clear as day to me since this moment. And for me, a big part of it, and I'll just wrap up here and pass it to Alan. And if we want to listen to some of the audio, I'll just play a couple minutes yeah, of it. But... Because a little feeling. Sure. Oh, the feel, you feel it. I'm glad you brought it. It takes you there. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just say this and then we'll play. And Alan, if you can just make sure I can um, set it up to share audio, if you can do that, set me a post maybe just for a second. Yeah. So I'm not, let me see if I can do that. Uh, or or maybe if Joan's there, she can just set me a post real quick. I think someone can. But anyways, just to finish the thought that I was on and then we'll set up the audio and then I'd love to, again, just pass it to back to the panelists. Um, for me, since that moment, it it kind of like initiated a part of myself that basically solidified part of my role here to be an earth ambassador, to, to be someone who is an ambassador, not just for like crazy far out ideas, but for my own experience. Even like I said before, I'm not here to say like, hey, like believe every single thing I'm saying. I'm simply saying, hey, this is my experience. I am an ambassador of my experience. But then within that, I am also an ambassador to things that I feel to be incredibly true, which is this idea that, you know, a lot of like these contact experiences are actually from like higher conscious civilizations that may not be so far away from us. It may be us in the future coming back and helping us in the past. It may be inner earth. It may be hollow earth. It may be Agartha. It may be these other dimensional spaces that aren't as far away as we think they are. Um, because again, it wasn't like the craft just like came from space. It's like, it kind of like phased into our dimension. It kind of like popped in as if like a surface of water and then a ship kind of comes into the water and this is our space in the water it's there for a bit and then it kind of jumps out of the water and so like we're almost in like a bubble sort of thing that's that's my mind of how i conceptualize it um so i'll i'll play with i'll play for you guys oh alan i think your microphone just glitched out for some reason oh, but i love to host sure okay, i think you so should I'm be able to show your stream now yeah, I'm going to do that real quick. I'm just going to um, hold on. Where do I, where's, where is the screen share? Okay. So I'm just going to do screen share real quick and set it up for advanced and computer audio. That's really all I need. I don't need the screen share. And so this here, this is going to just be audio of like after the experience happened, me and Lacey, like, like we went back into the cabin and I'm like, I'm like, I pulled out my phone, put it on the table. And I'm like, let's talk about this. What just happened? And so this is, this is audio the moments after this contact experience happened and just listen to our voices and and i hope you can kind of like feel the energy and it was just like so much like it yes it was kind of like overwhelming but at the same time it was just so transformational so lucid so powerful and deeply rooted in love as well so here you go and, and give me a thumbs up if you can hear it okay I'm, 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 just, I'm just recording audio right now but yeah okay. okay quick recap okay so like on the deck okay on the deck i meditate for 30 minutes set out intention we went out there Sat up there with sat the laser. Up there, and then I said it, I set an intention. I like did what you told, like told me to do. And I sat there and I kept chanting inside my head. We're at clear Lake. And then I pictured mm. myself from like above, like way above me, like looking down on myself. And then I started using the laser and then you were like using the laser and we were just kind of playing with it, following satellites. When we saw satellites, we saw like, but at they least were really, really far, super far away, little tiny dots. And then we this. started seeing blinks. 
blinks, but then it was like in a quadrant. One, yeah, and then there was like one here and then one there, and then they all started like blinking. And then there was unison. like multiple blinks, like blink, 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 and then it appeared, and it was like and that one like glowing. wasn't there before, right? Like it like no, appeared. no, and like it was low, a... Brendan. It was yeah. way lower and yeah, brighter yeah. than the rest, and it fucking moved. And down. then it started moving. It went up, moved down. So did you it... see it change direction? Like did you see it move down and then up? Mm -hmm. it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was subtle. It was subtle, but it did move. And it got lower and went into the tree line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, literally just kind of, like, continued to travel over us. And then we tried going to see if we could see it from another vantage point, And that's where... It disappeared into the trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we tried was... to, thought, like, you know, communicate with it once it was above the trees. And you, and you said the shape of it. The shape of it, you said it looked, looked like, like an, an angel. angel. Yeah, like it had, like, like this, like, auric field around it. I have really good eyesight. You're, I, think, <laughs> I, think you, I think you saw it more than I could yeah you didn't see that i mean i saw the light but i i, I couldn't identify the shape specifically like, like the, and that could have been like the shape of a craft or something like that yeah it could have been like just like the energy that was around it i don't Whoa. know and, but how it was were, and how were we feeling like my body started shaking yeah you started to shake I was, like physically shaking you started to like shake it was, like, I, I know shake. like energetically i was just like trying to put out this like this like positivity and love and like thanking it for coming because i i, I don't know like i've never experienced like where you <laughs> summon a ufo i've never done that before right and that happened pretty quick too that didn't take very long we just yeah. went out there and it like and again took like, like 20 minutes and and may, maybe me sitting out there for 30 minutes ahead of time by myself meditating could have done something I, mean, I don't know. It happened when I came out. <laughs> I gotta say, but, like, it, but, us together. But that's like, what I'm saying. Us together. But, us together. And that's what I was saying. Like, literally, yeah. like, the, the, the summoning UFOs to see vibe happens with groups. Yeah. And and specifically, it happens with when two people are in love. And yeah, the, and the you said that. Are, I literally said that. So I'm like, okay, you know, like, I prime things. And then you came and, and then you, like, you sat came, behind me. And I sat behind you. And, and then we that's... started breathing together. Yeah. But breathing together could have been a part of like the ingredients or something like, like that. Like we laid back and we just like breathe together. Whoa. Whoa. And then we came inside and now we're sitting here and now we're recapping. So <laughs> there, there we go. There we go. So that's that, that, that's a bit there. And then um in the link on my YouTube, Lacey the next day goes into talking about the dream that she has that night where the contact experience continued and that's the being during the dreams. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Well, thank you. That's great to share, actually, a live, like, on-the-spot recording. But I want to ask Kathleen, look, we have such a wide spectrum of experiences from the love that Brendan felt to, like, that intense attack. And is it that we just don't understand the whole cosmology of the experience? Or is it, is it so vast? I mean, what do you make of this range i mean yeah i also want to ask you about betty hill but what do you make of this like huge like keyboard that we're kind of being subjected to in a way i think that is very experiential and that uh, i have to say that i uh, when i was taken to craft even though you know for for many years i was terrified when I arrived on that craft, I would feel a strong electrical tingling sensation in my body. And these gray ETs were projecting the most profound feeling of love that I had ever felt. I had not felt love that intense 
on this planet. So, you know, it's, uh, I know that the, the grays have a bad reputation, but the ones that I interacted with uh, were very nice. And, and some people would say to me, well, um, that was a deception, but I don't believe it was a deception. Uh, they were, uh, they had to take samples from my body in order to measure the level of, of toxicity that I was carrying around. I didn't understand it at the time, but I grew up just downstream from a, a major Superfund site, a barrel factory that was uh, rinsing out barrels that went into the stream, that went into the water supply, into the lake. And so uh, certainly it makes sense now. So uh, I think that where we are in terms of understanding has a great um, deal of importance in what is occurring. Um, if we are carrying intense fear, if we're living in a state of fear, then I think that we are open to uh, more fearful experiences or maybe more negativity. I, th I think that it's extraordinarily important to learn to project love toward these entities when they come into your environment. Uh, for many, many years, I was fearful. And it was through sheer force of will and hypnosis. I'm a hypnotherapist and a quantum healing hypnosis practitioner. And through uh, self-hypnosis, I was able to learn to overcome the fight or flight response and to project love. And once I did that, I began learning. They began to communicate with me and to give information to me. And I think that that is extraordinarily important so that if uh, individuals are having great difficulty, I think it's well worth uh, trying these methodologies of uh, changing that relationship and being more on equal footing. So you're saying we have to change it on our side, you know, like if you're feeling fear, love, love the being or send out love because maybe that's the universal language or um i mean your your aunt betty hill said some interesting things where she would also be able to feel if there were ufos around and 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 in a way she went through that process right can you talk about what betty hill because she she is like ground zero for the experiencers understanding. What did she, what was her process? Cause I'm also want to know more about her. Right well, you know, uh, when she was leaving the craft, uh, she, the uh, entity that was with her uh, communicated that uh, he, he realized that she had been very frightened and he apologized. And she said, uh, do you think you might be able to come back? I know, uh, people who uh, have more information than I do who could communicate with you. 
and uh, maybe you could talk with them, meet with them. And he said, it's not my decision to make. And she said, well, how would you find me? Out of all the people on this planet, how would you find me? And he said, we can always find those that we're looking for. So this may not have been her first experience, but um, after the hypnosis sessions that she and Barney underwent, a team of scientists invited her to participate in what they called a psychophysics experiment. We call it a C5 experience, experiment today. And so this team of scientists would give her a script and she was to send telepathic messages to these ETs uh, every day at a certain time. And when she sent these telepathic messages, she would measure the period of time between um, the, the beginning of sending the messages until the scientists were able to observe the craft or wherever she was sending the craft to, uh, someone would observe it. Uh, she sent that craft to my grandparents' farm when my mother and I were taken to craft. That was part of her experiment. And um, so she uh, learned to do this and she was able to uh, call in craft. She was very widely uh, criticized for this by the old, uh, they call debunkers who I, through all of my archival research in physical archives discovered were really a team of disinformants who were working together to try to destroy her. For Sherry, Sherry, I want Sherry to know that Betty's house was entered time and time again, and weird things were done to just to try to terrorize her, to try to throw her off balance. But Betty was very strong, and uh, she just had uh, the, one of the first uh, um, systems installed in her house, security systems, that was wired into the police department. I, when I was harassed, I went to the police too. Uh, you know, many of us in the field have been. And so for, uh, I, I even did a study, a small one of 20 experiencers who have got, had gone public and each one of them, all 19 of the 20 had been threatened or harassed. So it, it was something that was common. It was happening in that time frame. I don't know if it still is or not, but it was back in, in 2014, 2013, when uh, Sherry was having that experience. I was also threatened, drugged, and uh, exposed to uh, pathogen in that time frame. Know that um, that you were so um, yeah, and these are humans that are doing it somehow. Yes, yes, this was humans, and if you say anything about it, um, then they'll try to spread uh, lies that you're paranoid. So I very carefully documented everything and went to the police. And you know, it eventually stopped. Do you think they're targeting humans because somehow you coming forward and Sherry are changing the timeline that they're trying to manipulate in a certain direction? And if they can, if people are coming forward, there's another shift. It seems like it has to do with timeline somehow to me. Does that make sense? Oh, I'm not sure about that. I just know that, uh, you know, in, in that time frame, the U.S. government uh, 
was covering up and had been for a very long time. They didn't want the public to be aware of the ET presence and particularly interaction with humans. And so, you know, they did what they could to uh, encourage us not to speak. I was harassed after I wrote with Denise Stoner, The Alien Abduction Files. Um, they told me I was frightening people. That's so awful. And it's still going, it's lessening. I mean, this disclosure panel we're going to do after this, we can see there is a shift in the consciousness of the people we want to know. But one more question I want to ask you about Betty is mm -hmm. that she said she remembered that experience every single day of her life. Is that true? She did. She said it was the first thing she thought of when she woke up in the morning and the last thing she thought of when she went to bed at night. It had a profound effect on her life. And even though there was an initial uh, sense of uh, frightened, being frightened by this, she, uh, before she died, said that it was the most important experience of her lifetime and that she was very happy that it had occurred that she had had the opportunity to meet and interact with these non-human entities this was the september 19th 1961 experience she was talking about yes but she did have other experiences beyond that she simply didn't make it public because uh philip class and his cronies were att attempting to destroy her in every way, disseminating uh, false information uh, about what happened to her, about who she was, about her personality. Uh, they rewrote the story, uh, every part of that story, uh, and added false information, retracted the truth. And that's initially why I came forward in this field to uh, speak about this, what occurred, and my investigation of her experiences. Well, I'm so glad you have come forward because you really are a direct link to that first coming out. And is there a place I can find her saying, this is the first thing I think of in the morning last, I just want to well, it might be in my book captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience that I wrote with Stanton Friedman and uh, I updated that in 2021 the 60th anniversary edition with all the new scientific evidence that has mm -hmm. been evaluated in laboratories by scientists and new information that I've learned since then so it could be in uh, one of the chapters of that book. Yeah, one more question I want to ask you is that um, what new thing are you learning about the experiences phenomenon that's just kind of like, oh, really, that's happening also or something like that? What have you seen? Like well, I'm hearing from many people who are in direct contact and frequent contact with uh, these um, interdimensional entities who sometimes materialize in front of them and uh, they're receiving information. Some of them are receiving prophecy. There are, there's this sense of marrying apparitions that seems to go along with some of this, which I find extraordinarily interesting. And so I'm sort of looking into 
this aspect of it. I don't have any conclusions, but uh, it certainly is interesting. Yeah, you know, Chris Bledsoe is also speaking about the Marian apparitions. Is he who, the person you're referring to or is that someone else? Uh, there are others, but Chris Bledsoe is one that I actually wrote about in Forbidden Knowledge. Yeah, there's something. And that that Marian, the, the divine feminine apparitions that are appearing to people shows a sort of um, morphing of the phenomena from maybe E.T. to spiritually awakened beings or or avatars or, or it, it something is changing it seems to me about so thanks, thanks yes i think so as well and i find it extraordinarily interesting yeah thanks kathleen okay stick around we're gonna okay, another round around then we'll wrap up so sherry that brings us back to you <laughs> and um thanks for coming back on um and, and when you wrote this book, The Forgotten Promise, that was a whole transformation inside you that you had to work through. So what was The Forgotten Promise? And is there another level of the promise that maybe you're still remembering? I am still remembering. It's interesting. It, uh, my guys told me a long time ago that it would be like the layers of an onion being peeled away my, my remembering the truth of who I am and why I'm here. So The Forgotten Promise, the title comes from, um, I wrote the book against my will. I didn't want to write the book. I really liked my life and I, I knew what was going to happen to it if that book got written, but I was forced. They took over my body and they started writing it. And then I got hooked on what I was reading because it was answering a lot of questions for me. And I was interested to hear because it was about my life. And I had all these missing episodes from my life, things that I didn't understand that had happened. And so, so I said, okay, I'll write the book then. So I wrote the book with, with their help. And um, after it was written, I wasn't going to have it published. I wasn't going to send it to a publisher. But then my Reiki guy who I go to, who's a very um, evolved, he's a Pleiadian actually, in a star seed, he, I went to see him and he gave me a message um, after he did his Reiki session with me. He said, you know, there were a lot of angels in the room. He said, unlike usually, the room filled up with ETs when I would go to him. And he always, we always got a kick out of that. But this time he said the room was filled with angels. And he said there was um, one angel in particular, introduced himself as Archangel Gabriel. And he, he said, I looked at him and I said, you mean the Archangel Gabriel? And he said, he started to unfurl his wings. And he said, no, that's okay. And he said, he had a message. He said, he gave me a message for you. And I said, I don't know if I even believe in archangels. And he said, you better believe in him because he was here. And the message is that you wrote a book. Did you write a book? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, Archangel Gabriel says, you have to have that book published. And I said, oh, come on, really? And he said, you're supposed to have it published because it's going to be made into a movie. And I said, not that again, the talk about the movie. I said, it's just a little book. I said, it's not of any importance. I said, I don't want to publish it. And I said, it's going to blow up my life and ruin my life. And he said, well, he gave me that message for you. And he said, if it were me, I think I would listen to it. So I went home and I did, I um, Googled how to, how to, you know, publish a book and, and sent it off. And of course, Dolores Cannon took it and, and she, she was the publisher. Um, I 
broke it to my daughter on Mother's Day of uh, the year 20, must have been 2010 or 2011. No, later than that, 2012, whenever it was, it was, it was with the publisher. I broke it to her that it was going to be, um, there was going to be a book coming out about the experiences, which she knew from having been my daughter. She was aware, she was very aware of everything that was going on in the house. And so um, I told her about it and she went ballistic. And she's right. Um, she didn't want it to ruin her life. I, I saw her perspective entirely, but I couldn't do it. I, I felt like my hands were tied. I mean, it was my mission and she didn't want it to reflect on her. She does. She has a business in this town and she just didn't want to be the crazy woman's daughter. You know, people were already talking about me because of all the activity around my house and, and my daughter's friends who were at my house and they saw ETs, they heard things, they saw the ships. I mean, there was just so much weirdness in my life. And so I was the subject of a lot of gossip locally. And, but it never affected my business. I didn't feel that it ever affected my business. But she was afraid of what it would do to her and her reputation. And she said, if you publish that book, I'll never talk to you again. So I decided that night to not publish it. I decided I was going to call Dolores Cannon in the morning. I was going to talk to her mother to mother and say, you know, I'm not going to do this to my children. Um, but that night, my guys came in, Da, my main guy that I see, came in in a big flash of light and booming spectacle he made of himself coming in. And he said, I hear that you are planning to not have the book published. And I said, that's right. And he said, why are you doing that? And I explained to him why. And he said, do you remember? You took a vow, Sherry. You made a promise. and that's where the title comes from. After my visit with him, he showed me that I wasn't gonna salvage my relationship with my daughters, no matter what I did, that it just wasn't meant to be, that I just wasn't going to be able to have that. And that it was my mission that I did promise and I did take a vow. So I went ahead and had the book published and it did blow up my life. <laughs> my whole life blew up and, uh, but that's the way it goes, it happens. So. Well, you're glad you did it though, right? I mean, that was... I, now that I'm ending, coming near the finish line, I am. I, I wouldn't change too much, except I wouldn't take those damn little pills that were filled with, that were poison. Mm -hmm. I, that were supposed to be helping me. But other than that, um, you know, I, I don't like being sick every day. I, it's not fun. But I am honored to have been on planet Earth and played the role that I have played. I think once the film gets made, the TV series gets made, it is going to have a huge impact. It's going to be, it's going to, especially if she can get in the later part, because the book is minor, I think, compared to what happened afterwards. I think the meat of the, it's not going to be so much about the contact. Contact is getting to be so commonplace anymore. I think it's more about the control system on this planet and what humanity has been put through on this planet, being enslaved the way they were and held back by the controllers who tried to to stop this whole ascension process from happening. And that's what they're them trying to kill me. That's what that was all about. Did you ever make peace with your daughter? Just curious. I mean, if you want to share. No. They won't, neither of them will talk to me. No. Or my family. So mm -hmm. it's part of the price that you pay, you know, for being outspoken, for being um, an ambassador like this. So it's helped a lot of people are saying that online. Joan, do you want to tell um, 
Sherry, what you said in the chat there, if you want to come on, and then we'll kind of. Sherry, Sherry, Sherry. You know, it took me seven years to really come out as Joan of Angels. It was very painful. I was in a shop one day with my daughter when I first got named Joan of Angels. I didn't know what to do. They said, "What's your? Who are you? What's your name?" And I, I didn't say Dr. Joan Hangard or chiropractor, which my daughter would have liked. I, I slipped out Joan of Angels. And my daughter took me aside and she said, did you have to do that, mom? Did you have to embarrass us and lead with that? And, you know, it really touches me because, because my guys had told me that I, I, if I didn't say yes to the call, they wouldn't come back. And, and here you had, you know, you had this push-pull with it as you stepped into it. And yet, and yet here's what you said, and this I, I want everyone to know. We all took a vow. We all, each and every one, I'm going to talk about this in my presentation in a few minutes. Each and every one of us took the same vow. We committed, we promised, we said we wouldn't forget, and now is the time to wake up, and, and, and so it is. So, That's right. my feedback on it. I'm so proud of you for sharing your story, Sherry, for all of us. Well, thank you. Thank you. Happy to do it. <laughs> There's more to tell. There's more to tell. I'll tell it on on the talk that I give. Oh, um, good. Whenever that is, but I'll I'll tell the other part of it. Definitely, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm interested because yeah, I, I I think you know it's something not just a bow for me. This is something. This is the most exciting thing that's happening on planet Earth. Grant Cameron calls it the Super Bowl of all stories. It's like what's more interesting than being challenged by an unknown phenomenon that has to be integrated psychologically, emotionally, cognitively, that will shift humanity. I mean, or you can watch the football game. No, what's more exciting? I mean, it's like, no. you know, this it's, is it. it. It's, not, it's not just the greatest thing to happen on planet Earth or two planet Earth. It's the greatest thing to happen in the multiverse, in all of creation, my opinion. This is the single biggest thing to happen in creation. Wow. And that's really huge. And it is, I don't, I don't believe humanity has any comprehension of who they are. They have no idea of where they're going and what's about to occur. And wow. it's big. And so that's, you know, that's why my guys, they wanted me to stay here. You know, I, I pleaded and begged to be allowed to leave many times, but they just kept saying, hang on, hang on, because it's, it's, you, it's gonna be worth it. And so we're almost there. And it's very exciting. Well, well, yeah. No, no, thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. And I think Geraldine feels the same way. And um and and Brendan, I think this is a turning point in history. I'm so glad we're all here. And I appreciate your honesty and how you know deep that goes for you, Sherry. I mean, it's like it's, yeah. it's like it's, a lot more than a lot of people by giving up your family, you know? Well, I couldn't, I, you know, I mean, I'm just wired and that's just, it's, I've been a warrior, a spiritual, spiritual warrior um, from the, from the beginning of time really. And so I'm just wired to do this kind of work. And I mean, this is my one and only time on earth. And it's been a real privilege for me to be here. I always was curious about what it would be like to be here in form. And now I know. So yeah. Hmm. Let me just ask Brendan. Thank you, Sherry. Brendan has to leave. Brendan, are you still there? Is there anything you want to say before we wrap up here? And 
I guess he said he had to leave. So anyway, if he comes back, uh, Geraldine, how do you feel about this? Because you're deep into this whole phenomenon. You're you're also pushing the envelope of of experience and you know, what's, what do you feel is coming down the line? I mean, we've had these intense experience from fear to repulsion to love. And what do you see coming to the planet and the human race at this point in history? Yeah, thank you. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we're coming to a culmination point in which uh, more people are going to be talking about their experiences and um, it'll become something that is a little bit more open. You know, in many countries that has been the case already, people talk openly about these experiences, but in the, in the US, I think we're catching up to that where it's becoming something that is going to be something common, something that is known. Um, and I think that opens up the door again to learning about what it means to have contact going into the, sci the science or, you know, the beginning of, entering into a world of some kind of science that we're beginning to kind of construct together uh, in order to piece together our understanding around this, uh, this phenomena. You know, so it's something that uh, it's the combination between it's where consciousness, science meets spirituality and where that consciousness emerges. So I think the future of this is talking about what is consciousness? What does it mean to be conscious? What does it mean to interact with consciousness? Um, and how are we uh, participating in that co-creation of these kinds of experiences? Also, I think uh, going back to the basic laws of nature and educating ourselves on the basic laws of the universe is going to be essential to our understanding of that. I talked about earlier the laws of mechanics of co-creation, which is really the foundation of how we come, how come into these experiences and how they function in the first place. It really is the language of vibrational frequency. And if we can learn how to master our frequency, we can learn how to master perhaps the kind of experiences that we're having. I think that we're learning that by interviewing so many different experiencers and by everyone here in the panel today having this conversation. Um, you know, these are things that are, you know, we're kind of solidifying our knowledge base as we go deeper into the topic. Right. But what's cutting edge for you? What new thing are you learning? And also tell us how to find. Yeah. Oh, sure. Well, for me, my, my area of interest is DNA and how holographic DNA is the database of contact. How within our DNA is encoded the kind of contact that we're coming into and how to transcend. Uh, and and I, I will also mention uh, to, to answer Sherry's question about military, because military is exactly the darkest part of this conversation, the shadow government that, that manages these dark programs for a very long time. Um, you know, it's hand in hand, the higher you go, the lower you also go. This has been the lesson for many human beings through history. Uh, we've had to encounter these dualistic aspects and, and learn how to navigate them. So I think the key to learning how to navigate that is within our DNA. And again, the mastery of our understanding of our vibrational frequency. Um, and uh, yeah, so my primary work is DNA reprogramming. And of course, through hypnotherapy, uh, I do offer support into that uh, training into navigation into that realm. Uh, so you can find me at GeraldinaRosco.com and also my YouTube channel, Geraldina Roscoe. And it was, as always, such an honor to be here, everyone, Kathleen, Sherry, um, Brendan, Joan, and Alan, thank you very much.
Thank you, Geraldine. You are at the cutting edge. I recommend having a session with Geraldine, listening to her lectures. She is understanding something about the biology and consciousness and the soul that that these beings, I think, are interested in as far as our experience and how it its lineages. And for me, it's just pieces now. It hasn't come together, but I just feel all these different pieces that are being looked at. And it is about the biology as well as the consciousness somehow. Um, yeah. Geraldine and Brendan, yeah. Um, any final wrap up words? Yeah. And yep, please share. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll just make it short and sweet. I know we're moving into more exciting things after this as well. So. It doesn't get any more exciting than this. It does. It, this and and again, you know, like I, I think being able to kind of like reflect on the excitement of where we are right now is, is actually very nurturing. You know, like for a lot of us, even if we've been in these conversations for the past several months, if not years, if we take a step back, we're just like, oh my goodness, like we are living in the science fiction movies that we used to watch growing up that we fell in love with. And now we're here, you know, like it's not just something that we're watching on a TV screen or hearing about on coast to coast radio. It's like we are living it. We are sharing these stories and we are welcoming in these new experiences. So again, with, with a lot of what's already been said, I think what I want to be able to encourage for all of us who are here is to invite in this softness, invite in this gentleness, invite in this like process of returning back to the heart space. Because through doing that, I think a lot of what we need to practice getting better at is the practice of listening, the practice of really being able to kind of like open up this dialogue and, and to just be able to say, like, uh, be like, okay, like ETs, like extra dimensionals, family, OUs, it just be like, we are here, we are present, we are listening. What do you have to say? Instead of always like kind of like putting forth this expectation and getting too caught up with the fascination of it, you know, because I think it can be incredibly fascinating. I think if we really just bring it down to the relationship and the message and, and then again, like from this, um, allow ourselves to just kind of put that message out to the universe, because when we're putting that message out to the universe to say, hey, I'm inviting in more of my curiosity towards where this path is leading in a way that's going to serve both myself and those around me in the collective consciousness, the universe responds to that. You know, I think a lot of like the, the consciousness of these entities is it's still us. It, it is all just us. So when we're talking to God, when we're talking to the universe, we're talking to that connection, we're talking to them. And again, you know, like I, I, I feel that they are inviting us into something very special very important and in many ways is a part of our destiny. And, and I think in, in 10 years from now, we'll look back on this and we'll just say, holy cow, this is where it began. You know, conversations like this, this is where it began. So I think for a lot of people here, like we are the vanguards, you know, so, so hold that with a sense of humility and also a sense of duty. How do you want to carry this vibration? How do you want to carry this conversation? How will you continue to be this conversation with the people around you, whether that's through, you know, in, in, inquiring further about CE5 and all of these stories and listening to other people, but also sparking the conversations, bringing this more into the mainstream, into the public spaces, because I think many of us, if not all of us, have an itch inside of us that longs for, for kind of like the mystery of the unknown. And there's something inside of us because it's who we are that says, you know, there's more to this human story than, than you know, just what we've been led to believe by many stories. So the last thing I'll finish off on is let's bring intentional conscious awareness to the new stories that we are sharing. 
what is the news story? And this is a news story of kind of like passing of the torch in a lot of ways of people who have been involved for this field for many generations now into a new generation of people who are going to be passing this torch on even further and are going to continue to develop this relationship. And again, really to be able to say, well, what do we want this ET contact experience to be? How do we want it to, to serve us? Not just from a place of fascination, but from a place of, of altruism and again, from a place of humility and just again, really bringing it back to the softness and the gentleness of the heart. And um, doing again, what a lot of what even Geraldine was talking about, you know, focus on you. Like focus on you in the sense of like really just kind of like attune your own frequency, attune your own vibration, really just kind of like bring yourself back into that space. And then as you do that, like the magic will kind of like begin to unfold around you and everything. So um, yeah, it, it's incredibly beautiful. And, and, and again, I think these relationships are, are just another mirror of consciousness. So once we see it as it's just us, it's the universe doing what it can to help, to help wake itself up. You'll realize that this was how, this is how it was always supposed to happen. So feel into that and um, lead with love, I would say. So thank you, Alan. How can people find you, Brendan? People can find me on Instagram under Mystic Spider-Man. You can also check out the new project that I've been creating called Ascension Portraits, where we're using AI technology to depict people in like their higher dimensional selves, which is really cool. And you guys can reach me for that. And on Skull Babylon on YouTube and Paradigm Shift Radio on Spotify. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Just check me out on Instagram and feel free to DM me there. So always a pleasure. Thanks for sharing. And your, you know, that was kind of intimate story, you and your you know, partner out there. And I think it has to be that real to make people see how deep this experience is, how, how, how it's enlivening and loving and sh how much it shakes people up. I mean, I still haven't been totally regressed back to where, I, I mean, I've seen some of it, but I know there's other levels and other levels and right, Kathleen? <laughs> There's always other levels to 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 go and explore because this is so deep. And so Kathleen, thanks so much for being here. Tell people what you're up to and what what's exciting you now in this field and what's going on. Yes, well, it was such a pleasure to be here and uh, with everyone on the panel. And uh, you can contact me at uh, Kathleen-Marden.com and. Uh, as I said earlier, I uh, wait, I actually wait for the universe to drop something new on me. I've been waiting and suddenly it has dropped something new on me. And that is uh, my interest now in uh, the relationship and, and the apparitions actually that are appearing before experiencers. This, this change in our relationship with these extraterrestrials and uh, what do these Marian apparitions mean? What is this prophecy that so many experiencers are receiving at this time? What is the prophecy there? Can you tell us what the actual prophecy is? Um, perhaps something about the reemergence of the divine feminine mm -hmm. after a period of tribulation. I think so. It is so interesting. This is such a complex phenomena. And um, 
what you have anything to say about disclosure? Because we're gonna have a up disclosure panel coming up in about an hour. Do you have anything you'd like to just say about where the government is in this whole thing at this point? And we are gonna need to close it out in a minute or a couple of okay. minutes. Okay. Anything but go ahead. <laughs> okay. I just you know, I've I've just been carefully watching the government. I've been very pleased with what the Defense Intelligence Agency has released and what scientists who have been contracted by the government, uh, such as Gary Nolan, have released. So uh, just proceeding very cautiously. I don't know what's going to happen, if they're going to pull back or if they're going to be truthful. It's just wait and see. Thank you, Kathleen. It's because it's about experiences like Sherry. Thank you, Sherry, so much for being here and being brave enough to continue sharing your story and anything. How can people contact you? Well, you and you're doing a talk this week, but where are you? How can people find you online? Um, I have a website, which is theforgottenpromise.net. Theforgottenpromise.net. I'm on Telegram. Um, I just have a channel on Telegram. It's just Sherry Wilde's channel. Um, I'm on there quite a bit. So you can reach me uh, through either of those means. Um, and I do answer every I do answer every email I get. It might take me a little bit, but I do get around to it eventually. And you're talking this week, Joan. When is Sherry talking this week? Uh, I actually don't have her schedule. She should know it, though. I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> That's <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the last speakers right right at the end and the tail end. I'm, uh, it's me and on then Monday. I'm, is that I'll, look for, I'll look for it, guys, and I'll post it. In yeah, it's on the, on the last day, right before Foster Gamble. But I want to post the link for everyone for the upcoming event. You can still sign up for it. We're really excited about it. Neil is over the top about this conference, actually, that we brought so many speakers together with such advanced knowledge. And it's an intimate gathering. After this panel, it, it's like we opened the door to a cocoon or to sacred space together. And I feel like we're sort of diving in. And so guys, I've put in the link. If you haven't signed up, you know, I think you might want to. All of us are gonna be on it, most of us. And there's something very special about these, this next level of, of awakening we have. I just wanna say about this panel, it, the, the variety of experience in the rain shows us how complex a field we're dealing with. It's not simple. And I, I say, and that's why I wrote this book, no one really has all the pieces in place, not the government, not even the inside government. Maybe the experiences have a little more, certainly not the media. They're the last to know and the politicians. So we are forming a picture of the phenomenon that's unfolding in front of us. That's why I think Kathleen's interested in this other level that's coming in. It's like, and even Linda Moulton Howe says, and uh, she says, this is like a, a 16 layer chess game where they keep arranging the board. It's like, this is so challenging. We need the intelligence and the heart, the compassion and our full human being to come online to start to make a little more sense of what this, the biggest challenge in human civilization is in human history. We are, this is this panel, kind of covered that whole realm and thank you right. all yeah thank you all for being watching online and all the different platforms thank you well done all your work each every person here and 
you know, stay tuned. We're going to do the disclosure panel in an hour. Joan's going to do a presentation now. And then the next five days, we're going to take this all apart and go deeper into each section. So it's a real mystery school. It's a real education that, that you know, we're all putting it together. We're all in this together. We really are. And um, let's just learn from each other. Let's push the government to share what they know because it needs to be all laid out on the table. The offense and the defense, the ETs, the experiencers, the DOD, every little piece so we can look and see what we have and all of our experiences are important. And so I encourage everyone to share what goes on because there's, there's a group I'm a part of. They say, no, we don't want to go public. People, that That's over. It's time to go public, I think with all of it so other people can come out and share what they've experienced. So we are in some new realities, a new adventure. I'm Alan Steinfeld. Thank you for being, joining us and being here, being. Thank you, Joan. Ah, oh, that was just stunning. I just love the way you just wrapped it all up and you brought it back home together. So, you know, you're talking, we, ha we have a couple of minutes to, to chat about Egypt too. Like you made me think about how this is the wisdom of sacred time, sacred ages. I think Geraldine may be joining us in Egypt, but where's one of the first places we're going to Glastonbury in Egypt to sacred mystery schools now and places where we can anchor in this energy. And it's where the divine started to infuse into human consciousness. In Egypt, when Madame Blavatsky wrote Isis Unveiled, she meant the unveiling of the feminine, the divine feminine, which is the right brain, which is the receivership, which is, which is we need a left and right brain. We need to activate consciousness and then we need to receive it in remote viewing. So we need to be whole being creatures I mean, there's the indigenous Native American saying that a bird can't fly with only one wing. We need to receive both parts and to be fully operational, whole brain human beings. And the, and the feminine is probably more important than even women suspect. I don't know, but it's a big part of what we've forgotten in our human history. It's been so left brain and, there's this other piece that maybe, maybe this is what the whole ET experience is evolving into. I don't know. It's so strange and odd. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting to go with Portal to Ascension to Egypt. I want to mention this to everyone because we're going to be putting the website up soon. And, you know, we can't take all of you as much as we'd like to. We're going to take you on the live stream, though, with us because, I don't know, Alan, me, Neil, you know, <laughs> Um, Geraldine is going to be there, the herd tax. I can only imagine that we're not even going to be in our body. And I've been doing this new art that's showing myself as an ancient Egyptian oh, goddess. Art. 